All right. So, hey, I, I got a story here about Gene. Now, it's not a bad story, but a lot of you know that Gene likes to eat healthy, right? She, she does. She's all, she's all into that healthy stuff. And she always wants to try to change our good friends, Russ and Chris. Now, they're from Bozeman, and Russ and Chris were here last week and stuff. And so she's always trying to change them, change their eating habits and stuff. And she's been successful uh, for a certain percentage. They, d they don't eat uh, processed sugars anymore. They have incorporated Celtic sea salt into their lives. They're trying to eat more organic. Uh, I don't know about the canola oil. Jean's a big no canola oil thing. So, so she's trying. She's trying to do that with canola oil. So, yeah. But that you know, Jean is always trying, trying to change them, and and it's worked a little bit, a small percentage. Uh, something else that Jean always prescribes is this little elixir right here. I say elixir, but there's only two ingredients really. Do I have a volunteer who would like to taste this wonderful elixir for us this morning? Anybody? All right, come on up. All right, give it up. Jackson, right? All right. What's your name? Jackson. Jackson. What's your occupation? You're a student. He's a freshman. All right, are you ready? You don't have to, you don't have to gulp the whole thing. Just take a sip, whatever you want to do, okay? Wow. How was that? That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're a brave man. <laughs> what do you think that was? Don't you don't know? It was a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in water. Now, this is, it's going to, it's good uh, gut stuff. What is it? Gut flora, gut something, right? It's good for your gut. It balances the pH in your body. The rest of the day, you're going to be pH balanced. Isn't that awesome? All right, give it up for Jackson. All right. Woo! I really didn't think I was going to get anybody volunteer. I actually talked to Logan, too, before, and, and I said, hey, man, uh, I might need a volunteer. So he's like, well, I'll think about it. I'm like, okay. That's all you can ask is, is that, is that the, he thinks about it, right? <laughs> so like I said, that you know, Gene has, has not been particularly, totally successful at changing Russ and Chris, but uh, hopefully this apple cider vinegar, they'll incorporate that into their lives and balance their pH the way Jackson's going to be balancing pH for the rest of the day. It's going to be great. But you probably figured out one thing that's true for all of us. You can't make people change, right? I mean, you just can't make people change. But each one of us faces this challenge. I mean, we want to make people change, <laughs> but we can't make people change. Uh, if you're married, you know about this, right? How many of us would, would like to change our spouses a little bit, right? Uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, personally, but, uh, you know, may, maybe some other men in the audience might want to change their, their wives. Or maybe you have a family member and you just kind of want to tweak them just a little bit. You just want just to tweak them. Maybe kids, boy, I like to tweak those kids sometimes, right? Or a coworker. Sometimes... You just, there's that one coworker that never really finishes their projects, and guess who cleans up the slack? Me or you. You know, one of us, right? We just want to change people, but we can't, we can't make people change. And what do I do with Jesus' command to go into all the world and make disciples, right? Jesus commanded us to go into all the world and make disciples. I can't 
make people change, especially if they don't want to change. But today I'm going to share with you a secret today that will give you the power to actually change the world. Are you ready? Here it is. I'm going to unveil it right now. Serving is subversive. Exactly. I'm going to define that for you in a minute. Serving is subversive. We don't think of subversive and serving in the same sentence, do we? But subversive actually comes from a Middle English word. It has two parts. The first part means from below, like a sub, submarine. And then the second part is to turn. From below to turn. So subversive means you can turn something from below the surface. Subversive means that you can, that change can come when someone least expects it. Change can come when someone least expects it. And serving is subversive. Now, vinegar is a great example of that. Uh, Our ingredient today that we're going to be talking about is one teaspoon of vinegar that is in McDonald's secret sauce. And so, uh, not necessarily apple cider vinegar, but, you know, I love apple cider vinegar. It's the pH thing, right? Jackson, you know all about that now, right? (laughs) But... What, what that does is what vinegar does is it makes something that's kind of flat and makes it come alive. That's vinegar's purpose in recipes is to make things come alive. It's really subversive. It's a subversive kind of flavor because who wants to drink straight vinegar, right? No, nobody wants to drink straight vinegar. And like vinegar, uh, it makes big changes under the surface, Now, the Bible tells us uh, about people who were subversive by their serving. And we're going to take a look at three points during this teaching. And each time we'll take a look at an Old Testament character, Nehemiah. And then we'll take a look at Jesus out of the New Testament. And we'll see that how they were serving. And by their serving, it was really subversive because of the things that happened. Now, Nehemiah lived about 450 years before Jesus. And so, uh, if you don't know much about Nehemiah, I'm going to talk a little bit about his story. And both of them understood the secret sauce. Serving is subversive. When you serve, number one in your notes, if you're taking notes today, when you serve, you take people by surprise. I love this one. When you serve, you take people by surprise. Now, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about Nehemiah. We have a little timeline here uh, that shows uh, about Nehemiah. He was a man in exile, all right? Uh, they, it, was un, it was right after the Babylonian captivity, and, and, and all the Jews were in exile. Uh, they were taken basically as slaves is what they were made into in the, in the Babylonian era. And they were uh, slaves when Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Jerusalem, and so he was king. So we pick up the story in Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 1.11, and I think the verse is going to be on there for you. Out of the NLT, it says this, In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. This is Nehemiah talking. And so Nehemiah said that he was the king's cupbearer. And if you don't know what that was, uh, back in the day, Anytime, well, kings kind of had a target on their back is what they did. And so anytime somebody wanted to take out a king, 
the easiest way to do that would be to poison them. And so the cupbearer, what he was, is kind of the last line of defense for the king. He would sample the food that was brought in. He would sample the wine. And so he would make sure that the food supply and the wine supply was good so that as the king enjoyed his meals, he wouldn't keel over dead. And if the cupbearer did, <laughs> then the king knew that somebody was trying to poison him, right? So it's, you know, cupbearer kind of sounds like a prestigious position because you're right there next to the king you're basically like a confidant you know because he has to trust you that you don't want to overthrow him as well and that you're going to be you know a person of integrity so you know it was it was a trusted kind of relationship but we have to remember that it was a dangerous relationship too for Nehemiah and so it was a slave relationship relationship and, and a slave was appointed so it wasn't a position of authority. It wasn't a position of honor. It was basically being (laughs) replaceable. It was a replaceable and expendable position, being the cupbearer. And you would have expected a cupbearer to be the one to restore Israel's glory. Who would have expected that? Now, when you serve you take people by surprise. I'm going to talk a little bit about more about Nehemiah's story, but basically what happened is Nehemiah found out that Jerusalem had been destroyed. Well, he knew it was destroyed, but they were going to rebuild the wall, rebuild the city, and he was the one to lead the charge. Who would have thought a cupbearer was going to lead the charge to rebuild the city? We take a look at Jesus in the New Testament, and Jesus has been described as a king, a kind of an upside-down kingdom, Right? Because his leadership was different than than any other king's leadership before. Uh, A lot of times, the Israelites or the Jews thought that when the Messiah came, the Messiah was going to overthrow the government. It was going to be a political uprising, and they were going to receive power and prestige in in the kingdom. But that's not what it happened. Jesus didn't come to do that. It was kind of upside down in their thinking. In Mark chapter 10, we, we, we read this. Jesus called the disciples together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus came not to overthrow a government, but Jesus came to be a servant, upside down with how the world thinks. Jesus served in many ways. Jesus sat at the kids' table instead of the head table. That's what Jesus did. He touched people even when they were sick. And in that culture, I mean, disease was rampant. And if somebody was sick, they were outcast. He didn't touch them. But Jesus did. He washed people's feet, which was a slave's job. Slaves washed people's feet when they came into a house. And he laid down his life for his friends. He laid down his life for you. And obviously, he laid down his life for me. Who would have expected that a man who had been tortured and executed could redeem the world? I mean, he died a criminal's death. 
Who would have thought that would take place? But when you serve, you take people by surprise. Serving is subversive. Uh, there was a movie that came out. It was, I looked it up. It's 20 years ago. I can't even believe it's 20 years ago now. <laughs> uh, about a doctor who used unconventional methods of serving to relate to his patients because he cared for them. And he was seeing that people weren't being cared for anymore. They were just being diagnosed. They were be given medicine or surgery, and then that was it. But this is a, a, a based on a, a true story of a doctor who went the extra mile to serve and care for his patients. Uh, the video clip is going to be from the movie Patch Adams. I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's with Robin Williams. It's a couple-minute clip. Go, go ahead and run that right now. Let's watch this clip. What a great clip. But it really illustrates what we're talking about today. When you serve... You take people by surprise, right? He used unconventional methods, obviously, to children. But if you watch the whole movie, he, he relates to adults the same way. He tries to use humor and, he, and really relationship to get at the heart of the matter and to, to help people. What a great movie, Patch Adams. I think I want to watch that whole thing now. So. <laughs> so number one, when you serve, you surprise people, or you take people by surprise. Number two in your notes says, when you serve, you gain influence. When you serve, you gain influence. And this is, there's a difference between influence and power. There is a difference between influence and power. Power can come from a position or a title or, or a place of authority, but influence comes when people respect you. And when they choose to follow you, right? In the Air Force, I'm, I'm an ex-Air Force guy, retired Air Force. I always talked about positional authority and earned authority. Positional authority comes with the rank on your sleeve, but earned authority comes because people want to follow you and they want to help you succeed in whatever endeavor you're doing together as a team. It's the same thing. People who have power don't always have influence, but... People with influence always have power. People with influence always have power. We're going to go back to Nehemiah. And in chapter 2, it talks about Nehemiah being the cupbearer again. You know, he had heard that the Jerusalem was going to be rebuilt, the walls and the city and stuff. And, and he had gained so much influence with the king. And he was so trusted that when he asked permission from the king to go and help his people and lead the charge to rebuild the city and rebuild the walls. You know what the king did? He didn't even get, just give him permission, but he gave him armed guards to go with him. He gave him letters of recommendation so that as he traveled, that he wouldn't be picked up as just a slave on the run or whatever. And then when he, when he got there, he gave him money so that that money could go towards the effort of rebuilding the walls, the money for the project. It's a crazy story. If you've never read through Nehemiah, it's a fascinating book, a fascinating book of, of what Nehemiah was involved in and how God used him to rebuild Jerusalem. But it happened because when you serve, you gain influence. Jesus was the same way in the New Testament. Jesus modeled this subversive influence very well, and his followers did just what Jesus asked them to do. If you read in the New Testament, 
In John chapter 15, it says this, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. So there was an example there. Jesus showed them how to serve and how to love. There was no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's own friends. And you know what? Jesus had so much influence with his disciples that they did exactly what he wanted them to do. They went out and they served and they served the people that were around them and, and they, they, they just modeled servanthood to the greatest degree. If you read in the book of Acts, the book of Acts is all about the beginnings of the Christian church in that region and through Paul and some missionary journeys going about the, the world at the time, the free world at the time, you get to see how the influence of Christianity started to permeate all that culture, that whole culture and that whole surrounding area. And in fact, Acts chapter 6, <laughs> we see that the disciples, they were so accustomed to serving that it, it became a problem for them because there was other things that they needed to take care of, but they were so busy serving the orphans and the widows and doing all kinds of stuff like that that they actually had to set up elders then so that the elders could help them do a lot of things and they could be free to do other things. But they loved serving so much because Jesus modeled it that that's what they wanted to do. They were obsessed with serving. It actually became their identity. Uh, and you'll see that all throughout Acts. And then obviously they have to set up some different things because other things need to be taken care of, and they did. The church was exploding at that time because of their influence, because they served, and because they did what Jesus asked them to do. Let's remember, when you serve, you gain influence. Serving is subversive. There's a story of uh, Nikki Michaels. I think we have a picture of here uh, of her. She is a, a missionary to Bali, uh, and she right now she's studying in Hawaii because she has an internship there. So she's been there for quite a few months studying and, and doing work in Hawaii. But she is a missionary to uh, Bali and in Indonesia, and it's a really fascinating story because she started and she still uh, works with YWAM Youth with a Mission over there. And she started serving in the prisons. She started reaching out to women who were trafficked. And, you know, everybody knew her over there in the certain prisons because she would go week after week and just meet. And she got to know the guards. She got to know, you know, the people running the prisons and stuff like that. And she was just serving the ladies that she came in contact with. Well, like I said, she's in Hawaii, not in Bali, but she got word a few weeks ago that one of the ladies that she was serving and ministering to who accepted Jesus and, and started following after Jesus, that she was very sick. She was still in prison, and she was actually battling the AIDS virus, and she'd just become very sick. Well, the prisons over there aren't like the prisons here. It's almost like they just forget about you. Unless somebody takes care of you, you'll just die in prison. And that's what she was doing. Her name was Sheila. And she was actually dying in prison over there, chained to her prison bed. And I think there's a picture there. That's her in the hospital. But before that, she was chained to a prison bed. And when Nikki got wind of this, she took the next flight and went over there. And do you know what this 25-year-old single girl from Montana did? She walked right into the prison. She walked right into the president of the prison and said, I need to take Sheila now to the hospital. Get her for me. I'm not leaving here until you do. And you know what that president of the prison did? <laughs> Went and got Sheila and gave Sheila over to Nikki. Nikki took her to the hospital and she received the care. Now, now she's terminal, 
but at least she had dignity, and she's not, she's not passed away yet, but at least now she can live her final days in dignity, being taken care of, having food and water and medicine, and just being taken care of as she lives out the last days of her life. It's an amazing story because Nikki's influence, like I said, <laughs> she's a single white girl, skinny white girl from Montana, 25 years old. She's over in a prison, one of the worst prisons, I didn't make mention of that, one of the cruelest prisons in Indonesia. She walked right up and asked for that, and they gave it to her because she has influence. Because of the years that she was serving, she gained that influence. Amazing story. When you serve, you'll take people by surprise. When you serve, you'll gain influence. And then finally, number three, when you serve, you can change the world. When you serve, you can change the world. Nehemiah did. If you read the end of the story through the book of Nehemiah, he went to Jerusalem. He led the rebuilding of the city and the walls. But he didn't just lead it. He did lead it, but that wasn't the only thing he'd do, he did. He picked up a shovel, and he helped rebuild that wall. He was shoulder to shoulder with all the families that were there rebuilding the wall. And the nation of Israel was reborn from an ash heap to a great nation once again. It was restored to a great nation once again because of Nehemiah. I have a quote here, that, uh, or just a, a line in my notes, that rabbis call, the rabbis even today, they call Nehemiah's leadership the springtime of Israel's history. The springtime of Israel's history. Because of the great things that Nehemiah did, the cup bearer, the slave cupbearer, <laughs> he was there serving and rebuilding Jerusalem. When you serve, you can change the world. And Jesus did too. If we fast forward to the New Testament, we see Jesus' influence changing the world. Here's a, a great memorable passage from the Bible. Jesus actually takes off his outer garments. I don't know if you remember this. There's a video playing as I talk over it. He took off his out outer garments, and what he did is he went and grabbed the basin and the towel and came over to his disciples, and he washed each one of the disciples' feet. Amazing story. And when Jesus was done washing their feet, he said this in John 13. He said, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And like I made mention before, <laughs> that's exactly what the disciples did is they went and did what Jesus asked them to do. Because they believe that when you serve, you can change the world. And I don't know if you, if you, if you understand the ramifications of Jesus' influence culturally and in the world. Before Jesus was on the scene, there, there wasn't any hospitals. Before Jesus was on the scene and Christians came, there were no orphanages. So through Christianity, we have hospitals. Through the birth of Christianity, we have orphanages. 
And Christians also were the first ones to champion human rights, recognizing the rights of women, the rights of other races, that all races were equal, the rights of the poor and the marginalized. That's what Christianity has brought into our world. And within a few centuries, Christianity, (laughs) it transformed the Western culture. It transformed the Western world. And the byproduct of all of that transformation brings us to 2018 today, where we have modern medicine, we have hospitals, we have orphanages. We have all these things because of Christianity. Today, the influence of Jesus truly has penetrated every country on this earth. And so, when you serve, you can change the world. Serving is subversive. So I have a question for you. Who do you want to change? Uh, That's actually not a very good question. Hold on. Let me rephrase that question. I have a better one. Who will you serve? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. It's been driving you crazy. Serve your kids. I have to caveat that. I know it's a serious moment, but don't let them run the roost. But we need, we need to serve our kids. They, they require that as well. How about your coworkers? You can serve them. Other family members, friends, employees, if you own a business. It will take people by surprise, number one. It will gain and give you influence, number two. And then number three, it will change your world and it will change their world as well. This is the fifth ingredient of our secret sauce. This truly is what makes Christianity irresistible, is the fact that through serving, being subversive, we surprise people, we influence people, and we can change the world. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this time that we can take a look at these examples in your word of serving. God, I thank you so much for Nehemiah and his leadership, but he was a servant leader, Lord. And that's what you call us to be. You call us to be servant servant leaders. Many times we don't feel like leaders, but God, when we serve, we take people by surprise. When we serve, we, we do gain their trust and, and we can influence. And God, just like you called the disciples all those years ago to help shape and mold the world, uh, you call us to do the exact same thing. So as we're considering this now, Lord, as we're bowed in your presence and we're thinking about serving. God, I pray for those that maybe right now haven't decided to surrender their lives to you, Jesus. It's a tough thing that we we go through our lives and sometimes maybe we've served you in the past, but man, circumstances in life gets us all mixed up. And we kind of go off the rails a little bit and we forget about you. Lord, 
I'm speaking to those people here today that, that maybe need to make a recommitment to you. And God, maybe we're sitting here and, you know, we've heard of Jesus and the wonderful things that prophet did, but, but until now I hadn't really considered that Jesus died for my sins and, and he's my personal savior. God, I pray for those that are considering that right now. And so, if that's you, if, if you want to make that commitment to Jesus right now, usually we raise our hands or something like that. I'm just, I'm just going to pray a prayer over us. If you need to make that commitment or that recommitment to have Jesus be the, the leader of your life or the boss of your life and just pray. Pray this with me as I pray. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. And, and, and God, I, I know I've blown it. I, man, I know that I've sinned against, against you. But, but Lord, I, I do realize that you sent Jesus to pave the way and bridge that gap between you and I. And so I accept Jesus as my Savior today. I pray that you would take my sins away from me, just create in me a, a new, clean heart like the Bible says you will and, and change this old way of life, create a new way of life, a, a way of life where I serve you each and every day. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Shape and mold and guide my steps as I walk out of here. I, I make this commitment to you right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.